When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Long Acres Finance channel. Today is June 10th, and I thought it would be a good idea to update you on my personal portfolio. And more specifically, I want to show you my top 10 holdings right now. I'll be comparing the top 10 holdings today to those I shared with you last month to show you how and why they changed. At the end, I'll also show you my best performing positions and the worst losers, and a few more metrics from my portfolio. Let's dive in. Using Simply Safe Dividends, I can aggregate my four investment accounts and see my total investment profile. I have four accounts linked here my 401k account that has the largest market value, and my three M1 finance accounts that make up about $14,000 right now. The balance of my portfolio is $112,536 right now. I am projected to generate $2,793 of annual dividend income, which gives me a 2.48% dividend yield. Last month, when I provided an update on my top 10 holdings, the balance of my portfolios was $120,996. So even though I have contributed quite a bit of money into these accounts, My balance has declined as a result of poor market returns. I have lost about $8,500 net of new contributions. However, my annual dividend income has increased by $145 since last month. While it's painful to see my balance decline, it's nice to see the annual dividend income continue growing. Let's take a look at my top 10 holdings as of right now. In first place, we have Texas Instruments at 2.7%. Amgen is in a close second place, also at 2.7%. Humana is third at 2.5%. MasterCard is 4th, also at 2.5%. T. Rowe Price Group is 5th, at 2.4%. Tractor Supply is 6th, at 2.3%. Morgan Stanley is 7th, also at 2.3%. Realty Income is 8th, at 2.2%. United Healthcare is 9th, also at 2.2%. And Amphenol rounds out the top 10, also at 2.2%. If I do a quick comparison to last month, the top two positions remain unchanged. Texas Instruments remains the largest position and also had a 2.7% allocation last month. Amgen also stays firm in the second spot at 2.7%. I have added little to Texas Instruments in late May, but have not added to my Amgen position in a while. Humana, that was the fourth largest position in May, surpasses MasterCard in June, as both positions have expanded from 2.4% last month to 2.5% this month. Tractor Supply was the fifth largest position in May, but is surpassed by Tiro Price Group that has jumped up from 9th to 5th place. I have been contributing weekly to Tiro, so it's no surprise it's moving up the holding list, although the stock is still down quite a bit this year. I expect it will continue to climb the holdings list in my portfolio, and may even be my top holding in the future. Last month, United Healthcare was the 6th largest holding, and this month it has dropped down to 9th place. I haven't been adding money to this stock, as it seems overvalued to me. The reason it is one of my top holdings is primarily due to the strong returns it offered since I purchased it in 2021. The 7th largest holding last month was Lockheed Martin, However, right now it is number 17 on the top holdings list. Lockheed enjoyed strong returns earlier this year, but has declined more recently. I haven't been adding to my position for a while now, so I presume it'll not rejoin the top 10 holdings, unless it sees very strong results in the near future. Number 8 last month was Charles Schwab, and currently it is my 12th largest holding. I've been adding to Charles Schwab on a weekly basis, as the price continues to decline this year. I presume it'll pop back up on the top 10 list in the future, as it is one of my core positions, and I will likely continue to buy more shares in the near future. Number 9 last month was Tiro Price Group, and I already covered its jump on the top 10 holdings list. And number 10 last month was Realty Income, that has moved up to 8th place this month. 
I don't add to this position on a weekly basis, but I do add some money at least once a month. Realty income is my favorite monthly dividend stock, and I foresee it having a place in my portfolio and likely the top 10 list in the future. The two new additions to the top 10 holdings list are Morgan Stanley in 7th place and Amphenol in 10th place. I haven't added new money to either of these two stocks since the last update, so the change is pretty much driven by market activity. Last month the top 10 holdings made up 23.8% of my portfolio. This month they make up 24%, which is the marginal increase. However, I want to focus more on my top ideas, so I believe the value of the top 10 holdings should increase in the coming months. Some of this is driven by market results, so it may not increase from month to month, and I also have a few stocks that I am adding capital to right now that aren't on the top 10 list. I guess we will find out how things shake out. Let me now give you a closer look at each of the top 10 holdings this month. Let's start with Texas Instruments that has a pretty attractive dividend yield of 2.91% right now. According to Simply Safe Dividends, its dividend is quite safe with a safety score of 90, and it is a fast dividend grower with the last increase of 13% in September of last year. My position in the stock is down 10.7%, and my yield on cost is 2.6%, which is below the actual yield for the stock right now. It generates $89 of dividend income for me every year, which is 3.2% of my total dividend income. Long-term dividend growth has been amazing for Texas Instruments, with a 5-year growth rate of 21% and a 20-year growth rate of 22%. Sustaining such fast dividend growth rates for two decades is no easy feat to achieve. Based on dividend yield theory, the stock does appear to be undervalued right now. The current yield of 2.91% is higher than the 5-year trailing yield of 2.55%. It also has a forward P-E ratio of 18.2 that is below the trailing 5-year average of 22.1. I personally am not adding to my position right now, not because I think the stock isn't a good deal but because my screening process is finding better deals, and there's only so many stocks I can invest in each month. Let's take a quick look at Amgen now. It has a strong 3.21% dividend yield, a safe dividend with a safety score of 74, and a fast dividend growth rate with the last increase being 10% in December of 2021. My personal position in the company is up 5.9%, and my yield on cost of 3.4% is still better than the current dividend yield the stock offers. Amgen generates $98 of dividend income for me annually, so it's very close to that nice and even $100 mark. The company has a good but short history of dividend growth that started in 2010. The 5-year dividend growth rate is a respectable 12%, with the longer 10-year growth rate being 29%. However, given the shorter dividend growth history, it is easier to show higher growth rates when you are starting from zero. Texas Instruments dividend growth is much more impressive than Amgen's. In terms of valuation, the current dividend yield does look attractive compared to the trailing yield of 2.88%. Valuing Amgen based on its P.E. ratio gives us a fair value for the company, as the forward P.E. ratio of 13.7 is right in line with the trailing P.E. ratio of 13.9. I think the stock is attractively valued, but like I mentioned earlier, my screening process is finding better opportunities right now. Okay, next up we have Humana, with a small 0.71% dividend yield, a superb dividend safety score of 99, and a very fast dividend growth rate, with the latest increase being 13% in February of this year. My personal position is up a modest 3.8%, and my yield on cost of 0.74% is right around where the current dividend yield sits. The stock generates just $20 of annual dividend income for me, which is rather low, but I am more interested in a strong total return from this stock. Humana also has a rather short dividend history that started in 2010. They had one large hike followed by a period of slow growth, and much faster growth since 2017. I expect they can sustain strong double-digit growth in the near future, and help drive up my yield on cost. The current yield does seem somewhat attractive when compared to the trailing yield of 0.66%. The stock also looks a little undervalued based on the forward P.E. ratio of 17.9, being lower than the trailing P.E. ratio of 20. I think Humana isn't necessarily a dividend investor favorite because of its low dividend yield. However, I like the stock from a total return perspective, and I believe if it can continue growing its dividend quickly, my yield on cost a decade from now will be pretty substantial. 
Up next we have another weak dividend yield stock. MasterCard currently has a dividend yield of just 0.58%, but a superb dividend safety score of 99. Last December the company increased its dividend by 11%, which is a fast dividend growth rate. My personal position in the company is a modest loss of 5.7%, and my yield on cost of 0.55% is just shy of the current dividend yield. The stock generates just $16 of annual dividend income for my portfolio, which is rather small. But just like Humana, MasterCard is more of a total return investment for me. The company has paid a dividend since 2006, but really ramped up its dividend growth in 2012. During the last decade, the dividend growth rate has been a remarkable 41% per year. The last 5 years were a bit slower, yet still a strong 18%. I believe MasterCard should continue to deliver strong dividend growth and the low double-digit rates in the near future. And as a result, my yield on cost should improve. The stock looks reasonably valued in terms of dividend yield, with the current yield being slightly better than the trailing yield of 0.52%. The trailing P.E. ratio of 33.4 also suggests a respectable valuation, as the forward P.E. ratio is 31.6. I added to my position in MasterCard more heavily in 2021, and not so much more recently. I really like the stock, but it doesn't rank well on my opportunity screener right now. Next we have Tiro Price Group with a very good 4.17% dividend yield. The company has a very safe dividend with a safety score of 94 and it recently increased its dividend by a nice 11%. My personal position in the stock is down 26.2%. However, I am continuing to add capital as the stock is struggling this year. My yield on cost of 3.08% is well below the actual dividend yield. I'm hoping to capitalize on the current valuation and improve my long-term yield on cost in the coming weeks and months. The stock generates a nice annual dividend income for me of $110, which is 4% of my total portfolio income. Tiro has a very long history of dividend growth, with attractive double-digit short-term and long-term growth rates. This makes them one of the more unique dividend stocks that not only offers high dividend growth, but also a high dividend yield. The trailing 5-year dividend yield for Tiro is 2.6%, suggesting the stock is a bargain with its 4.17% yield today. The forward P.E. ratio of 11.3 is also well below the trailing P.E. ratio of 15.1. I've been adding to my position pretty much since the stock started falling earlier this year and I will likely continue to do so until it recovers to a more reasonable valuation. Up next we have Tractor Supply with a decent 1.89% dividend yield, and a dividend safety score of 68. The company dropped a bombshell of an increase in January of this year, raising its dividend by 77%. My personal position in the stock has a good 14.1% gain right now, and my yield on cost of 2.15% still remains above the current dividend yield. The stock generates $49 of dividend income for me annually. The company has a very good and steady dividend growth rate in the low 20% range since 2010. Of course, the most recent increase was above and beyond what investors expected. However, this was likely a one-off superb dividend hike. I would expect next year's dividend increase to be more in line with average historical dividend growth rates. In terms of dividend yield, the stock does look attractive, as the current yield of 1.89% is much higher than the trailing yield of 1.39%. The large dividend increase in January does skew this data a bit, but I believe the stock is in fact attractively valued. The forward P.E. ratio of 20 suggests the stock is reasonably valued, with the trailing P.E. ratio being just 20.8. I have not been adding to tractor supply recently, but may do so if the dividend yield climbs back above 2%. Up next we have Morgan Stanley with a strong 3.63% dividend yield. It does have a borderline safe dividend with a safety score of 55, and a strong but mixed dividend growth history. My personal position in the stock is down 11.7%, with my current yield on cost of 3.2% being worse than the current dividend yield. My annual income from Morgan Stanley is $92, and accounts for 3.3% of my total portfolio income. Morgan Stanley had some modest dividend growth in the early 2000s. Then the dividend remained flat leading up to the financial crisis, when the dividend was cut entirely. In 2009 the company started paying dividends again, 
But if you recall, the Fed put limits on how much banks can pay in dividends, following the turmoil and bailouts of the housing bubble. Once those limits were lifted, Morgan Stanley resumed growing its dividend, and last year it doubled its dividend rate. That 100% dividend hike came in July of 2021, so the next dividend hike should be announced within a month or so. I'll be curious to see what dividend hike the company has in store for us this year. In terms of dividend yield, the stock looks very attractive, with the current yield of 3.63% being well above the trailing yield of 2.7%. The P.E. ratio suggests a more reasonable valuation for the stock, with the forward P.E. ratio of 10.3 being just slightly lower than the trailing P.E. ratio of 11. I have added to my position earlier this year, but haven't done so more recently, as I focused on other opportunities. Up next we have Realty Income, with a very good 4.49% dividend yield. It has a dividend safety score of 70, which is safe, and a rather slow dividend growth rate. My personal position currently has a small loss of 4.6%, and my yield on cost of 4.28% is below the current dividend yield for the stock. Realty income generates $113 of annual dividend income for me, which is 4.1% of my total portfolio income. The company isn't really known for a good dividend growth rate. However, they do pay a monthly dividend, and they have raised their payout for over 90 consecutive quarters now. So while it may not be growing fast, it is growing quickly and pays very frequently. In terms of dividend yield, this REIT looks fairly valued with a trailing dividend yield of 4.39%. However, a much more accurate measure of valuation for REITs is the price to AFFO ratio. Realty income looks attractive with a forward price to AFFO of 16.8 compared to a trailing ratio of 18.4. I have my portfolio allocation for realty income set at 2.5% and I purchase more shares anytime my position falls below that threshold. With this target allocation, it's unlikely Realty Income will ever be my top holding, barring very strong market returns, but it should remain near the top. Up next we have United Healthcare, with an okay dividend yield of 1.36%. The company has an excellent dividend safety score of 99, and it announced a 14% dividend hike earlier this month. My personal position in the stock is up 32.8%, which makes it one of my best performers right now. My yield on cost of 1.81% is much higher than the current yield the stock offers. However, this position only generates $34 of annual dividend income, which makes it just an average income producer in my portfolio. United Healthcare has a very strong dividend growth history, with a sustainable double-digit growth rate. The most recent dividend hike of 14% a few days ago was a very pleasant sight. In terms of dividend yield, the stock does not look attractive right now, as the trailing yield of 1.43% is still above the current yield of 1.36%. Similarly, if we look at the forward P.E. ratio of 21.7, it is also higher than the trailing P.E. ratio of 19. I haven't added to this position since late 2021, and I will likely not be adding in the near future unless the valuation improves substantially. And the last dividend stock in my top 10 list is Amphenol, with a low dividend yield of 1.19%. The company does have a very safe dividend with a safety score of 87, and it did offer a very good dividend hike of 38% in October of last year. My personal position is currently down 7%, and my yield on cost of 1.11% is lower than the current dividend yield. In terms of dividend income, Amphenol is average in my portfolio, with only $29 of annual dividend income produced. The company has a very strong history of dividend growth and the high double-digit rates, and of course last year's increase was fantastic. We should see another increase from Amphenol towards the end of the summer, and I'm excited to see what the company will announce. In terms of valuation, the company does look attractive right now, with the current yield of 1.19% being higher than the trailing yield of 0.96%. The P.E. ratio supports this valuation assumption, as the forward P.E. ratio of 23.6 is below the trailing P.E. ratio of 26.7. I have not added to my position recently, and the stock is not near the top of my opportunity screener at the moment, so I will likely not be adding in the near future as well. There you have the top 10 holdings in my portfolio right now. As promised, let me now talk about the best and worst performing stocks in my portfolio. In terms of actual dollar gains, the best stock in my portfolio is Northrop Grumman that has a gain of $674. 
It makes up 1.9% of my portfolio, and I have not added to this position in a long time. In second place is United Healthcare with a gain of $617. The third best stock is MT Bank with a gain of $400 and a 2% allocation. The fourth best position is Lockheed Martin with a $356 gain and also a 2% allocation. And rounding out the top five is Tractor Supply with a gain of $322. In terms of best gains as a percentage, there is only one change to the top five. Automatic Data Processing is my second best position with a 33% gain, but only a 1% allocation. Northrop Grumman has been my best performer, both in terms of actual dollars gained and return percentage, as this position is up 44.9%. Now let's take a look at the biggest losers. In terms of percentage loss, the worst stock is Market Access Holdings with a 45% loss. 3M is the second worst loser with a loss of 28.5%. Franklin Resources is right up there with a 28.3% loss. However, it's a very small holding in just my M1 portfolio. The fourth worst stock is State Street with a loss of 28%. And Tiro rounds out the bottom five with a loss of 26.2%. If I look at the worst stocks in terms of actual money lost, Tiro takes the cake with a loss of $944. Market Access has lost $812. 3M has a loss of $517. And since Franklin Resources and State Street are smaller holdings, they are surpassed in terms of losses by Stag Industrial with a loss of $548, and SSNC Technologies with a loss of $378. Keep in mind these are all unrealized gains and losses, so as long as I don't sell these positions, I incur no gain or loss. I've been adding to some of my largest losers, so I have no intention of selling them right now. I may sell a stock here or there to allocate the capital to a better idea, but I prefer not to make excessive moves in my portfolio when the market volatility is high. Let me share with you some of the other metrics that Simply Safe Dividends offers on our dashboard. It really is a very useful aggregator for dividend investors, and the site also offers insightful information for reviewing dividend stocks. Using the dashboard, I can see an income forecast for my portfolio. It's built on a few assumptions, like the historical dividend growth rate, which is 10% per year for my portfolio, a 3% boost from dividend reinvestment, which I practice, and a projected annual contribution, which for me is about $16,500 per year. Based on these assumptions, my annual dividend income should increase from the current $2,700 to $7,800 in 5 years, $17,000 10 years from now, $34,000 by 2037, and just north of $65,000 20 years from now. I think it's unlikely my income will follow this path. Forecasting 20 years out in the future is very difficult. Any of these assumptions could change between now and then. However, it's still a very useful tool to see what my dividend income could grow to in the future. The forecast tool also shows more and less optimistic scenarios, which in my case range from about $42,000 to about $101,000 of annual dividend income by 2042. The next cool thing on this dashboard is the historical dividend growth rate for my portfolio. I can see the current and trailing dividend growth rate of my positions adjusted for their weight in my portfolio. So in my case, the dividend growth rate has actually been growing, as the 10-year average was 9.5%, and the 5-year average was 10.1%, and this year I'm averaging 10.3%. I'll chalk this up to superb stock selection by the portfolio manager. I can also look at the dividend safety of my overall portfolio, which looks pretty good to me. 71% of my portfolio is safe, with 25% being borderline safe and 4% unrated. I have no unsafe positions right now, and I would like to keep it that way. The nice thing about Simply Safe Dividends is that they will alert me when one of my holdings drops to the unsafe zone, and I can choose to remove that stock from my portfolio. I can also see the diversification of my portfolio. And currently I have the most exposure to financial stocks, with technology making up a significant portion of the portfolio as well. These two sectors actually make up more than half of my portfolio right now. I also have sizable allocations to discretionary healthcare and industrial stocks, with the remaining market sectors being rather small. And the last thing I want to show you is the income calendar, that shows me how much dividend income I can expect to receive during each month of the year. 
For me, quarter-end months are the largest, as I receive more dividends in those months than the other two months combined. I don't overly try to balance out my dividend income month to month, as I am not relying on this income at the moment. Perhaps down the road this will be a more important concern for me. That's it for today. If you enjoyed the video, please give it a like and subscribe to the channel. Thank you for watching and see you next time.